the life of Riley when it's Pabst Blue Ribbon you drink. The finest beer served anywhere, so let the glasses clink. Oh, east or west or north or south, there's nothing like it at all. Yes, you're living the life of Riley when for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. When for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere. Proudly presents The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. Human beings are improvident creatures, heedless of the future. And thus, banks in this country have had to devise painless inducements for thrift. One of these is the Christmas Club, whereby you deposit a small sum every week for 52 weeks, and then just before Christmas, you go to the teller's window, present your Christmas Club book, and withdraw your savings in a lump sum, which enables you to buy Christmas presents for your friends, who, on receiving them, will exclaim, Ah, what a cheapskate. (laughs) Standing in line now at the teller's window is Chester A. Riley, who joined the Christmas Club 52 weeks ago. Mrs. Medbury? Yes, that's right. Here you are, $104. I'll take it in 20s. Uh, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, and 1, 2, 3, 4. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Mr. Roberts? J.J. Roberts. $150, right? Right, I'll take it in 20s. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 20, 40, and 10 is 50. Merry Christmas. Thanks, same to you. Who's next? Uh, me, Riley's the name. May I see your passbook? Passbook? I think I got it. Oh, yeah, here. Hmm. You get $2. I'll take it in 20s. Two dollars You only made one deposit all year Is that all? Well, I I thought I made uh, I guess it slipped my mind Uh, Only two dollars I'm afraid that's all But what about interest? Ha, ha, ha That's what I thought (laughs) Well, I'll take the two dollars Just a minute There's a 75 cent charge for the passbook Oh well, okay, I'll just... 75 cent penalty for failure to make a minimum of 10 weekly payments. Oh. Well, okay, I'll, And I'll a just... 75 cent service charge for mailing notices. Okay, okay, just give me... You owe us 25 cents. <laughs> I owe you... T- no wonder on the window it says $10 billion reserve. <laughs> now I know where you get it from. Mr. Riley, you... All right, all right, here's your quarter. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Ah, the same to you. Now, let's get this shopping list finished. Uh, later, Peggy. But there's only a few days left till Christmas. Oh, I hate last-minute shopping. Yeah, everything is gone, and all you can buy is junk. Now, come on, Riley. You write the list. Uh, okay, but let's try not to go overboard on presents this year. I, I ain't a millionaire, you know. But we got the Christmas club money. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, thank goodness. You know, dear, that was a wonderful idea of yours. Yeah, it was a wonderful idea. Don't forget Babs and me chipped in every week. And a good thing, too. It'll teach you a lesson in thrift. Yeah, it'll teach them a lesson, all right. <laughs> How much have we got in the club? Huh? Oh, about... We uh, should have $104. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> More or less. Well, what about the interest? Ha, ha, ha. Don't count on interest. Well, did you withdraw the money from the bank? Well, no, not, not yet. Well, uh, don't forget. Do it tomorrow. This'll be the first Christmas we won't have to watch every penny. I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> now, wait a 
minute, dear. We got to do this list. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see now. First, the Morrises. What do you think they'd like? Well, they're both crazy about tennis. Well, how about giving him a tennis ball? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. A tennis ball only costs 60 cents. Well, it ain't the gift. It's the thought behind it. I know what to get him. Trudy's redecorating her dining room. We'll get her something for the table, maybe. How about a nice box of toothpicks? <laughs> oh, stop clowning. Who's clowning? They made it the finest lumber. <laughs> Look, Riley, we can get along without you. You go for your walk. We'll drop this list alone. Well, just go easy. Don't make that list too long. What are you worrying about? The big trick is to shop wisely. Yeah. You'll be surprised what we can do with that Christmas club money. Yeah, I'll be surprised, all right. Gillis! Oh, Gillis! Yeah, Riley? Are you home? Yeah, I'm home in here, Riley. Oh. Oh, hi, Gillis. Oh, you're trimming your tree, huh? Yeah, hand me some of them there bells there, will you? Where? Oh, these? Yeah, thanks. I get a big kick out of trimming a tree. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Listen, Gillis, Nothing like Christmas, you know. Yeah, sure. Look, I... Sort of get you, you know what I mean? Inside of you. You feel good. Yeah, I know. Look, I... Warm. You kind of have a glow inside. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm in a spot. Goodwill toward man. Now, that ain't no baloney. On Christmas, I really look at people different. Gillis, what I'm getting at People is, ain't uh, just people anymore. They're my brothers. And I'm filled with the spirit of giving. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, you see. I feel like but... stopping some bum on the street, some bum, and holding out my hand and saying, Brother, take everything I got. Gillis, can you lend me $100? I feel like it, but I don't do it. <laughs> Why encourage bums? But look, Gillis, I gotta have some dough. Get lost, will you? You're turning me down, your best friend. You just said you'd give to a bum. Well, with a bum, I got a 50-50 chance of getting it back. With you, I know I won't. Well, it's only for a couple of days. I'll be getting my Christmas bonus from the boss at the plant. Come on, just 60, uh, 50 bucks, huh? Where am I going to get that kind of a dough? Two days before Christmas, I'm broke. Well, I got to get hold of some dough. Pe Peg is home now, right now, a list of stuff to buy. Hey, didn't you... Yeah, last year you told me you joined up with a Christmas club. What happened? Well, I didn't pay my dues, so they kicked me out of the club. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Gillis, ju just loan me 40 bucks. I'm begging you. Look, Riley, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a grown man begging. Don't beg. Do what any other self-respect a married man would do. Hock something of your wife's. <laughs> Wife? Yeah, jewelry, you know, a uh, wedding ring. How much could I get on Peg's wedding ring? It only costs $5 to start with. <laughs> only $5? Yeah, that's all she paid for it. <laughs> oh, ain't she got no other jewelry? No, she ain't got... Hey, wait a minute. She's got an old brooch of her grandmother's. Yeah, wait anything? Well, it's supposed to be. It's a real antique. She never wears it. Oh, but what's the use of talking? If I pawn it, she'll find out. She don't have to know. You mean take it and not tell her? What? Why, that's stealing. No, nothing doing. You won't be stealing. Just borrow it when she ain't looking. <laughs> no, I can't do that to pay. Just for a few days. When you collect your bonus, you can redeem it and put it back. Yeah. 
That's right, just for a few days. And I'm really doing it for the sake of the family. You can't call that stealing. It's really borrowing. Sure, it's just a loan, that's all. Well, sure, you might say I'm just liquidating hidden assets. I'm just transferring the collateral, kind of fiscal fiduciary. <laughs> that's right. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go steal that brooch. <laughs> Should be here somewhere. You sure she ain't wearing it? Nah, she never wears it. It's too fancy. It's somewhere in this bedroom. Better hurry up and find it. Yeah, Peg will be home soon. Did you look in this here drawer here? Well, how can I? It's locked. Dope. That's where it must be. Yeah? Well, I ain't got the key. Well, pull on it. These locks ain't strong. Mm. This one is. Let me try it. Uh. There. Now look what you've done. It's splintered. You can glue it back later. Look for the brooch. Uh, Should be in here. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, that's it. Hey, it's got diamonds. Oh, sure, this is the real thing. That's Peg. Oh, I'm so tired I can drive. I've never seen the store so crowded. Let's get out of here. Not that way. She'll see us. Uh, The window. But but the room, it's all a mess. We'll clean it later. Get going. Come on, open the window. I can't. It's it's stuck. Let me try. (laughs) Look what you've done. You'll fix it later. What was that, she hate us. Out the window. Come on. Hurry, hurry. Well, it sounded like it came from the bedroom. Now run for it. Why, I could have sworn I heard... Bam. <gasps> Look at this room. Oh, looks like a cyclone went through it. Well, someone smashed that window. And this drawer's been forced. Is anything missing? Oh, well, let's see. <gasps> My brooch. Oh. I kept it here. Oh, Babs, we've been robbed. It's gone. Oh, that must have been the burglar we heard. Oh, why wasn't your father here? What are you going to do, Mother? I'm calling the police. How much do you think you can lend me on it? Well, let's see now. It's, It's a real antique. It belonged to my wife's grandmother. And the setting's old-fashioned. So is my grandmother. <laughs> it's worth around $1,000, huh? Well, it's got some good stones in it. Well, it's probably worth 1500 Well, not quite. I'll give you $100. I'll take it. out. I better clean up the bedroom. Oh, oh, it's you, Riley. Hey. I didn't hear you come in. Riley, we were robbed. Robbed? Well, now, don't be silly. My brooch is gone. Well, maybe you mislaid it. Oh, no, no, it was stolen. I heard the thief. Now, Peg, believe me, we weren't robbed. Oh, Riley, use your eyes. Look at this room. Clothing all over the place, pulled out of the drawers. Yeah, uh, uh, those California moths, uh, uh. Riley, <laughs> this is no joke. We were robbed. Well, well. Oh, that reminds me. Here's the money from the Christmas club. Oh, never mind that now. I tell you, we were robbed, and you act as if it's something that happened every day. Uh, that's right. I should do something, and, and don't you worry. I will. You leave it to me, Peg. Well, where are you going? I'll handle this. Who are you phoning? Hello, Gillis talking. Hello. Oh, it's you, Riley. Police headquarters. What? Are you nuts? 
Don't call the police. Officer, I want to report a robbery. Since when does a crook report his own robbery? <laughs> a brooch was stolen from Chester A. Rowley, 1313 Bluegill Terrace. I, I already called Peg, the police. I can't police. hear a word you're saying. Wait till I'm through phoning. But, Riley... Now, look, Sergeant. Riley, you go on, but You judge. catch that crook in 24 hours. Goodbye. Riley, why don't you listen to me? I told you oh, that yeah, I... Just a minute, Peg, the door. Good evening. I'm Sergeant Henderson, police headquarters. What a department. They certainly moved fast ever since the shakeup. <laughs> Riley, I called the police before you got here. Oh. Mrs. Riley? Uh, yes. We believe we found your brooch. Is this it? Oh, yes. Where did you get it? The thief pawned it only an hour ago. Did you catch him? Not yet. <laughs> What's that? I said, not yet. No, but we will. The pawnbroker gave us a very good description. He did? I have a hunch it might be someone in the neighborhood. Oh, no, no, it couldn't be. This is a nice, respectable neighborhood. Well, anyway, I'd like to give you his description. Uh, you may remember seeing him around. He's about five foot ten. Five foot ten. <laughs> Riley. What are you doing on your knees? I, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for something. Blue eyes. How can you look for something with your eyes closed? Blonde hair. I'm looking for my hat. It's on your head. Thank heaven for that. Oh, what's the matter with you? He weighs about 170. He said his grandmother gave it to him. Never mind. I know who it is. You do? Chester Riley. Now, wait a minute, Peg. I can explain the whole thing. I don't quite understand. Riley. Well, I, I just borrowed it j j just for a few days. I needed the money. I, I didn't want you to find out there's no money in the Christmas club, so... Oh, no! No, I take that back. What? No. <laughs> but, but every week we all gave you money. Yeah, well, I borrowed that, too. <laughs> you borrowed that, too? Okay, Sergeant, I'll go quietly. Take me to jail. Well, if Mrs. Riley prefers charges, uh, Mrs. Riley? No. No charges. I'll handle this in my own way. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, good night, ma'am. No, Sergeant, wait. Chester Riley, when I get through with you... Sergeant, come back. As a taxpayer, I demand that you arrest me. I'm entitled to protection. <laughs> Perhaps Blue Ribbon will bring you the second act of the life of Riley in just a moment. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Every time the clock ticks, thousands of people north, south, east, west are buying a bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon. And that, my friend, goes on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. No, it's not my purpose to impress you with the arithmetic of Pabst Blue Ribbon's popularity. I merely want to register this one point. All of those bottles of Pabst Blue Ribbon every second of the day, are exactly alike. And I'm speaking about the beer, not the bottles. It's exactly alike in taste, exactly alike in flavor, exactly alike in color, exactly alike in quality. There's no great mystery about the reason. It's simply this. Pabst Blue Ribbon is, ve is very expertly brewed. Step by step, from grain to bottle, every process is guarded by Blue Ribbon men, Blue Ribbon methods, Blue Ribbon Standards of Control. If you haven't yet discovered Pabst Blue Ribbon, order a bottle with your lunch tomorrow or have a case sent home. 
Taste it. Know why more beer drinkers bought Pabst Blue Ribbon in 1949 than ever before in Pabst's 105-year history. Taste it. Know wherever you go, you hear it called and called for as the finest beer served anywhere. You hear it everywhere. Finest beer served anywhere. 33 fine brews blended into one great beer. And now, back to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley with Paula Winslow and John Brown. Craig! Babs! Oh, oh, you're eating already. I'm sorry I'm late for supper. I stopped in at that stool pigeon. I, I mean, pawnbroker, and, and redeemed the... Here's your brooch. Okay. Well, take it. Come on, Peg. You're... I'll put it in your purse. Okay, okay. You don't have to tear my hand off. Put it in yourself. I wasn't going to take anything. Well, might as well sit down and eat. What's for supper, Peg? Uh, what are you eating there, Junior? <laughs> Is that pot roast, Babs? You might answer me when I talk to you. Fine thing, I come into my own house and nobody says a word to me. Not even hello. I'm the head of this house and I insist that somebody say hello. Hello. That's better. <laughs> no, no, you have the wrong number. Now, look here, Peg. I'm entitled to some respect. Respect? You want respect after what you did? Well, I just took the brooch. So I'm th not talking about the brooch. But Babs and Junior trusted you. Every week they gave you their nickels and dimes. We saved it out of our allowance. Well, who gave you your allowance anyway? Mom did. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you knew. <laughs> we trusted you, Daddy. And you took their money and, and stole it. I didn't steal it. No? Well, what would you call it? Embezzlement? <laughs> I really meant to deposit the money. I, I just borrowed it. And I would have put it back, only Christmas came so sudden this year. <laughs> Some Christmas. No presents. Yeah, we got a tree and nothing under it. What will people think? Well, is that all you care about? What people think? My boss will be dropping in Christmas morning to hand me my bonus check. How will it look? Well, whose fault is it? That's beside the point. We got to do something. Just don't try pawning the furniture. <laughs> oh, I'll think of something. I ain't going to have no naked tree in my house. Oh, hi, Muley. Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you. So long. Merry Christmas. Fine Christmas I'm having. I'd have a merrier Christmas if I was in Forest Lawn. Would you care to bet? <laughs> huh? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> oh, I didn't recognize you, Digger. What are you doing dressed up as Santa Claus? Oh, I do this every year. Uh -huh. I solicit contributions for the UEPJYS. U-E-P-J-Y-S. The Undertakers, Embalmers, and Ball Bearers, Jolly Yule Tide Society. 
charity, you know. Our slogan is, help a body get on its feet. <laughs> I stand on the corner here and I ring my little bell. Listen. <laughs> That's very jolly. I see you've been doing a lot of shopping. No. Oh, you mean these boxes? There's nothing in them. You, you got any empty boxes, Digger? No. Every box down at my place is filled. <laughs> I'm giving away a lot of gifts this year. Why do you need boxes? Oh, just an idea I got. I, I think I have enough. Well, I'd better get on home. Merry Christmas, Digger. The same to you and a happy new year. I wish you happiness, prosperity, and a long life. And believe me, I don't say that to everyone. <laughs> well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. I'm in the living room, Peg. Well, what are you doing? Riley, what are those packages? Uh, presents for the family. Well, where did you get the money now, to... don't get excited. There's nothing in them. <laughs> but they're wrapped so beautifully. I did it. I, I bought some paper and ribbon. If people drop in and see all these boxes, they'll think it's presents. They, they won't know it's really empty. <laughs> that's using my head, huh? And that's empty, too. <laughs> I guess it is, only it ain't wrapped as pretty. <laughs> Riley. Oh, Mom. Hey, look at all the presents. Oh, where'd they come from? Don't get excited, children. They're empty boxes. But they got tags with writing on them. That's right. I always say if you do a thing, do it right. This one here's from you, Peg, to me. It's supposed to be an electric blanket. The card says, to my darling husband... May this keep him as warm as my burning love for him. Oh, brother. And this one here says, To the best daddy in the world from his love and children. Cute, huh? Well, it's just an idea. This one here is for you, Junior. Gee, that's a funny-looking package. So long and thin. It's supposed to be a baseball bat. Oh, I wanted a football. I'll make it a football. Uh, and this here is for you, Peg Both of them I, I got two boxes for you It was very generous of you Card says To my loving wife A merry Merry Christmas Well, Riley What are you crying about? That's the way I am I get so much joy out of giving <laughs> What time is it, Peg? Half past eleven. You better go and eat some breakfast. I ain't hungry. Stevenson should be here by now. Maybe he's not coming this year. He better come. I'm counting on that bonus. Why are you all sitting there looking at me like that? This is a fine Christmas morning. Everybody's sitting around like it's my funeral. Hey, here comes your boss, Pop. That's his car. Huh? Yeah, that's it. I told you he'd show up. 
Now, smile, will you? All of you. Remember, it's Christmas and... Merry Christmas, boss. Merry Christmas, Riley. Come in, come in. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you, Mr. Stevenson. My, what a beautiful tree. Look at all those beautiful packages. Say, you haven't opened them yet. Uh, well, no. <laughs> we, we didn't get around to it Well, yet. what are we waiting for? Let's open them. No, no. <laughs> Come on, Riley. I love to open presents. No, don't. Pl- Peg, t- t- Yes, let's open them. Oh. <laughs> Here, Riley, this big one's for you. This is yours, Junior. Here's yours, Babs. Well, go on, Riley. Open it. Huh? Yeah, I guess that's better. Well, look at that. An electric blanket. Yeah, an electric blanket. An electric blanket? <laughs> but how... I, I can't understand. How did... How could you win this football? Beautiful handbag. Oh, thanks, Riley, darling. Yeah, but yesterday they were empty and... Holy smoke, I never believed it, but there is a Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, oh, Daddy. Well, how else did it... Oh, Peg. Peg, you went and... Oh, Dumplin', you filled... Oh, you're sweet. Well, I've got to be running along now, folks. Goodbye. No, wait, 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 boss. Yes? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you forget something? Well, let's see. Coat, hat, gloves, cane. Oh, I've got everything. No, wait a minute. No, I, I didn't mean that. I... I meant, uh, well, it's Christmas. You know, Christmas. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. of course. Stupid of me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Stevenson. What a cheapskate. A whole year I slave for him and he don't even give me a bonus. I was counting on the bonus. Not for myself. I, I wanted to give it all to you, Dumplin'. Just goes to show you can't depend on nobody except your family. Oh, it was, it was wonderful what you'd done, Peg, surprising me like this. I don't know where you got that money to buy all... <laughs> Peg, you, you didn't... The bo- not, not, not my bonus. You, you didn't take... <laughs> Mom sure put one over on you, Pop. She got the bonus from your boss yesterday. You stole my bonus. <laughs> what? You embezzled my bonus? I what? You borrowed my bonus and you're welcome to it. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, dear. In just a moment, Riley will return. There is still time for you last-minute Christmas shoppers to buy a welcome gift for the beer drinkers on your list. Tomorrow morning, pick up a couple of Pabst Blue Ribbon Handy Six cartons. Then when somebody says, oh, we forgot all about a gift for Uncle George, you'll have a Christmas package already wrapped and covered with gay holiday decorations. What's inside? Six regular-sized cans of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Finest beer served anywhere. Ask your dealer tomorrow for the Handy Six. I'll tell you one thing, Peg. What happened this Christmas taught me a lesson. I should think so. We won't have no trouble with our Christmas fun next year. Uh, this next year, I was thinking we'll, we'll, we'll save $3 a week. Huh? Oh, Great, Bob. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, idea. now let's shell out for the first deposit. Here's my dollar. Oh, here's my 50 cents. Here's mine. And here's my dollar. Fine. 
Now, first thing tomorrow, I'll go to the bank and open it. Hey, Peg, wait, wait a minute, Peg. What are you taking that money for? I'll put it in the bank. This time, we'll keep it right here in the cream jug, where I can keep an eye on it. <laughs> well, what's the matter with you, Peg? Don't you trust banks? <laughs> Folks, this is Riley, alias William Bendix. All of us, Peg, Babs, Junior, and Digger, are happy to be with you in this warm and wonderful holiday season. You've all been good friends, all you folks everywhere, in the big cities and the little towns and the farms and the ranches all over the USA. Yes, and the boys who are all over the world tonight in uniform. We're thinking of you and hoping you'll be home soon. Our sponsors, the makers of Pabs Blue Ribbon, Join us in wishing you, wherever you are, a Merry Christmas. It's a real thrill to be able to send a holiday greeting to so many people all at once. So let me say again, to the friends of the Rileys and Pabst Blue Ribbon everywhere, a very Merry Christmas. Oh, it's the life of Riley when it's Pabst Blue Ribbon you drink. The finest beer served anywhere, so let the glasses clink. Oh, east or west or north or south, there's nothing like it at all. Yes, you're living the life of Riley when for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. When for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. Pabst Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker by arrangement with Universal International Pictures, now releasing South Sea Sinner, starring Shelley Winters and McDonald Carey. Tonight's script is by Reuben Shipp and Alan Lipscott. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Digger O'Dell is John Brown. Babs is Barbara Eiler. Junior is Bobby Ellis. And Mr. Stevenson is Alan Reed. Consult your local paper for the correct time of the Life of Riley show on television over NBC each week. The Life of Riley is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Newark, New Jersey, and Peoria, Illinois. And sent your way with the best wishes of Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. Jimmy Wallington speaking. Next, it's Jimmy Durante with Don Amici on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell means mystery, adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Yes? Uh, yes, I know that in 48 hours it's going to be Christmas, but who is this? Who? Look, I'm a big boy now, so... Okay, tonight at 8. Goodbye. What the devil was that? This may come as a shock to you, Mr. Wolf, but that was Santa Claus. You've been drinking? Uh-huh, the usual, Mill. He's coming to see you at eight. He's got a problem. Indeed. It seems that some low, not to mention murderous character, is going around slaughtering Santa Clauses. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the bulkiest, balkiest, smartest, and most unpredictable detective in the world. That chair-born genius, Nero Wolfe. 
created by Rex Studd and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. Earlier than eight, however, the case of the slaughtered Santas, it began to be precise on the corner of 34th Street and Carlisle. The hour was close to six, the weather cold, the sky dark. Uh, how you doing, Santa? Uh, I'm freezing to death, officer. Well, it's a cold day. You packing up? Yeah, I guess so. Not many people around anymore. Oh, heading for home and dinner. How was the collection? Well, I, I don't need no armored car, but... A few dozen kids are going to have something for their Christmas stockings. Your competition, the guy in the opposite corner, has already scrammed. <laughs> Probably got low blood pressure. Yeah, give me a hand to get the collection pot off the chains, eh? Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'll just walk you down the block. Got to phone in. Okay, fine. One Santa still left. Wonder what he's waiting for. <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> Well, watch yourself going down those chimneys tonight, eh? Sure, sure. Well, I'll cut across the avenue here. Be seeing you. Hey, that car coming down the street. Hell, it's lights out. Look out! Hey, Peg. Huh? Never tell you I love you? Oh, it's not me you love. It's a hot soup. Ah, now, you're not the only woman who can cook a dish of soup. Huh? It helps, though. I'm just beginning to thaw out. Yeah, that's a cold corner you play Santa Claus on. Well, don't hurt to make a few bucks. I ain't done so good this past year. Well, maybe the next year it'll be... Oh, well. Besides, I kind of like it, you know. Kids asking questions all day long. Yeah. You know, I wonder how, how they figure the other two Santas at the intersection. Our kids think of only one thing at a time. <laughs> More soup? Sure, You know, uh, one of them other Santas got hit by a car tonight. Oh? Yeah, packed up a few minutes before I did, started crossing the avenue, and bang! You know, hit and run driver. Oh, gosh, that's too bad. Was he hurt? Yes, he was killed. Here's your soup. Oh, with traffic the way it is nowadays... Well, I better take a look at the stew. Somebody's the door. I'll get it, Peg. Okay. Yeah, what? Oh, oh, Mike! Wolf? Yes, Arjun? I've been thinking. Good heavens. Oh, I admit it won't bring about a national emergency. But, Mr. Wolf, Christmas is only a couple of days away. If you're hinting about your presence... No, no, no. I was just imagining you behind a team of reindeer. Your imagination is morbid. You'd make a wonderful Santa Claus. Really? You've got the perfect build for it. Of course, as for character... Archie. Yeah? <laughs> Can you picture me scrambling down a chimney? <laughs> well, I might have to build bigger chimneys, but... Bah. Uh, there's that, too. However... That is the front door. True. I was thinking... You might see who it is. Well, if nobody's been lying to me on the phone, that'll be Santa Claus. Maybe me. But I haven't decided what I want for Christmas yet, Mr. Wolf. For example, should she be blonde or brunette, tall or short? Archie. On my way. Go 
Good evening. I dislike dawdling on anyone's doorstep. Well, stop dawdling. Come in, please. Mr. Wolf has been warned of my arrival. He has. Through here. Uh, Mr. Wolf, this is uh, Santa Claus. My name is Barton. John Barton. How do you do, sir? I have no time for the social graces, Mr. Wolf. I'm about to be murdered. Hardly in my house, I have objections. I'm a frightened man, Mr. Wolf. Indeed. This, this costume you see me in is responsible for it all. Why are you in it? I had a notion it might be, well, entertaining to play Santa Claus in public. I'm a wealthy man, sir. I can afford to have whims. Therefore, I have assumed this masquerade. However, it apparently <laughs> is going to be the death of me. Mr. Barden, you have adequately conveyed an atmosphere and an emotion. I suggest you concentrate on facts now. Very well. I have been acting as Santa Claus for the tuberculosis fund. My station is the corner of 34th Street and Carlisle Avenue. I might add the northeast corner. Why? Because at that intersection there have been two other Santa Clauses. One on the southeast corner and one on the southwest corner. Three Santa Clauses, then, on three corners. Yes, now then. Earlier tonight, the man on the southwest corner started home. He was crossing the avenue when he was run down and killed by an automobile. A regrettable accident. The car was running without lights. It deliberately ran the fellow down and then vanished. Not an accident, Mr. Wolf. You saw this yourself? I did. One Santa Claus dead. The man on the southeast corner got home all right. According to the radio news flash, that's where he was killed. By bullets. Coincidence? Possibly. But I wouldn't want to risk my life on the chance. This is Friday night. In the nature of things, you would have made two more appearances. Very well, Mr. Barton. I'll write you a check as a retainer, then hurry along home. I'm late now. No. I beg your pardon. You will neither hurry home nor notify anyone at your home of your whereabouts. But I... You will remain here until such time as I think it's safe for you to leave. The house is well guarded. I can't do that. In which case, I cannot accept you as a client. I fail to understand. Mr. Barton, it is very easy to murder someone. Avoiding the consequences of such an action is something else again. However, I'm assuming that you're not primarily interested in what happens to your murderer after you're dead? Of course not. Therefore, you remain here. Archie? Yep. First, the corner of 34th and Carlisle, a complete report. But that's nonsense. The corner will be deserted Mr. now. Mr. Barton. You're hiring my intelligence. You therefore permit me to use it as I see fit. A complete report, Archie. Right, sir. You will then visit Inspector Crame at headquarters. You will, in whatever manner you find effective, collect all the police information about the two already murdered Santas. Fine. The manner, I think, will be applying a blowtorch to the inspector's toes. Your levity is ill-timed. The inspector is likely to throw me out of my ear. Your problem. My ear... And on your way home, you might stop in at Mr. Barton's place. I don't see any purpose in that. Mr. Barton, there is a basic problem to which we must find an answer. Whether those two men were murdered because they were Santa Clauses, or because their deaths were merely preliminaries to yours. Archie, I suggest haste. Yes, sir. And avoid blondes. Hmm? <laughs> I would like you to be home in time for Christmas. Mm. Yeah? Is that the price of a cup of coffee? <laughs> you sure you mean coffee? Either you're gonna dig it up or you ain't. 
Reminder questions about my personal affairs, see? Oh, I apologize. Here, two bits. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Don't let me keep you. You're not. 34th and Carlisle, huh? During the day filled with milling throngs? Hey, that's a nice phrase. I'll have to remember it. Milling throngs. And now, desolate and deserted. Well, that's life. Is that a fact? That's philosophy. Yeah. Well, but two bits, I don't have to listen to no philosophy, see? Good night, bud. <laughs> Inspectors got company. If all you reporters will shut up and ask your questions one by one, I'll answer. Right. Inspector Kramer, it's true a couple of Santa Clauses have been knocked off tonight? It's true that two men who have been employed as Santa Claus by charitable organizations have been murdered, yes. Any connection between those two guys, or does somebody just hate Santa Claus? Well, so far as we know, there is no connection. That means it could be maybe some kind of maniac who decided he doesn't like Christmas or Santa Claus. Is that right? Uh, the department is investigating along those lines. Like how? Well, we're checking all the local asylums for possible escape lunatics. Yeah, but, Inspector, suppose this nut has never been in an asylum. That'll be all, boys. Oh, but listen. Now. I said that'll be all. Now, anything new comes in, you'll get it, understand? Hey, good one. Hello, Inspector. Yeah, I spotted you coming in. What happened? You decided to reform and got a job on a paper? Nope. I'm a public-spirited citizen, that's all. Yeah, I could add a few things to that description with practically no strain at all. Mr. Wolf and I are very sentimental about Christmas. We object to Santa Claus's being killed. Nuts. Oh, Inspector, aren't you in favor of Christmas? I'm in favor of Christmas. I'm in favor of motherhood. I'm in... Leave motherhood out of this. Neither of us are mothers. Our chances of becoming mothers aren't too good either. And furthermore, oh, Okay, would... okay, you're not given. So get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, Inspector. Uh, but Goodwin, yeah? in case Wolf decides to send me something for Christmas, you know what I wish he'd send me? What? Your head. <laughs> Well. Oh. Now I know what I want for Christmas. What did you say? I said my name is Goodwin and it's cold on your doorstep. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't mention your name. I'm Laura Barton. Mrs. Laura Barton? No. Fine. fine. That is, what relation are you to John Barton? His niece. Why do you ask? Oh, you've got a beautiful voice. Uh, all this marble and no butler? I don't know where Pleasant is. He should be here. Have him shot at sunrise. Oh, Laura. Wayne, this is Mr. Goodwin. I never heard of him. What does he want? Well, I don't know. Wayne what? Stevens. Uh Uh-huh. Friend of Mr. Barton? Half-brother, but we seem to be doing all the answering. How about your answering some questions, Goodwin? I'll try. Come into the library. What do you want? For Christmas? Uh, erase that. I would like to see Mr. Barton. He's not home. Where is he? Don't you know? I wouldn't have come here asking for him if I did, would I? I suppose that's true. What did you want with him? Conversation. About? Anything. You see, I like to talk to rich men. Are you rich? (laughs) I can't play the piano either. You could always learn. 
But being rich is harder, I found Mr. It. Mr. Goodwin, you must have some reason for coming here, some reason concerning Uncle. Laura, you're being imaginative. Well, Uncle is late. He's probably still on that street corner playing Santa Claus. He enjoys it. Why bother about I what... I don't know, except... He's never been as late as this? Well, no. Not since he started that masquerade of his. Would you happen to know where the butler is? Out getting drunk, I suspect. He was in the kitchen a little while ago, disappeared. Pleasant likes to look on the wine when it's red. Or even when it's rye. Uh, no, I take that back. Oh, you do? He prefers Irish whiskey. We don't stock it. Therefore, oh, um... too bad. I better run along. Good night, Mr. Stevens. Miss Barton. Good night. Uh, I'll see you out. Prettiest butler I ever saw. Blonde. Now, old Dr. Tidmouse always said, beware of blondes because... Mr. Goodwin, I... Well, I'm waiting. Well, I... Mr. Goodwin, you must know something about Uncle, something you didn't want to tell us. Makes you think so. Well, otherwise, your visit was just pointless. Let's suppose I know. Now, I might be a kidnapper. Oh, no. My honest brown eyes. Your first name is Archie, isn't it? Archie? Archie Goodwin. Hmm. Goes together nicely, don't you think? You work for Nero Wolf. You're going back to him now? I might be, but then again, I might be going to the movies. I recognized you. Your pictures have been in the papers. Take me with you to see Mr. Wolf. You can trust me. I never trust blondes. Oh, that's unfair. Well, no, I don't trust brunettes either. Furthermore, I'm not sure Mr. Wolf would want to see you, so I... Uh... So? So why don't you, uh, trail me home, hmm? <laughs> Archie, where's Santa Claus? Guest room. He was tired. What, uh... I've been trailed home. Deep? By a blonde. Phooey. All right, I admit I didn't make any strenuous effort to shake her off, but she trailed... Where is she? Outside. Good. Your report. Oh, but she might freeze to death out there. That's her problem. Your report, Archie. It's short and simple. It would be simple. I haven't got time to resent that. A blonde is dying. As for the report... Corner of 34th and Carlisle is a very quiet spot at night. No one was around, but a bum who got into me for a quarter. For coffee, he said. You will not put that quarter on the expense account. Stop worrying. That was a private gesture. There were four corners. Corner number one had a dress shop on it. Corner number two, a drugstore with a beautiful redhead in the window, making with a hair rinse. The ad said her name was Noreen, but it didn't give her phone number. Ah, gee. Third corner was devoted to a shoe store, and the fourth corner had a bank on it. A bank? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Kind of thought we'd have a pause at that point. Mean something? Inspector Kramer's information consisted oh, of... Oh, you're being coy. Kramer furnished the information the police could find no connection between the two murdered Santas. Except for the fact that they were both playing Santa Claus. Well, isn't that a little on the obvious side? This is an obvious case. The Barton home, Archie. Uh, marble and old lace. The butler, his name is Pleasant, was among those missing. Among those present, Laura Barton, the old man's niece, and Wayne Stevens, his half-brother. Ah. Yeah, only for Laura. Stevens was not at all pretty. It was Laura Barton who followed you here. It was Laura. Archie, uh, go upstairs mm-hmm. and... Oh, now, wait a minute. The girl, the weather, common humanity demands that you have... Chloe, you speak for yourself, not humanity. I'm human. On occasion, a debatable point. Very well. Let her in. Oh, thanks. Laura. Yes, 
Come in. Laura Barton, Mr. Wolf. How do you do? How much money do you inherit on the death of your uncle? What? That is known as the shock treatment. However, I need an answer. Uncle isn't dead, is he? That, for the moment, is irrelevant. How much? Half his estate. The other half? Wayne, uncle's half-brother. Very well. Archie, will you go upstairs and inform Mr. Barton that his niece is here? Uncle is here? On my way. Archie, Mr. Barton. Come in. Mr. Wolf would like you to come downstairs. I suppose he has a reason. Mm-hmm. A blonde reason, your niece. My niece? That's right. She just... Hey, where'd you get that? A man of my wealth finds it safer to carry a revolver. Yeah, but it's not safe to point it at people, especially for the people. Turn around, Goodwin. But, Mr. Barton, we're protecting you. By letting that girl into the house... If I had the time, I'd be amused, as it is. Archie, you been drunk? Good heaven. Uh-huh. Santa Claus came early. You're ahead. Which one are you referring to, my own or the one Santa gave me? You had better sit. No, no, I had enough trouble getting up a little while ago. I'm staying out of any positions in which I might have to do that again. Mr. Barton is among the missing. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Hit me on the head and use the back exit. I checked with Fritz in the kitchen on the way here. He offered a reason for his peculiar behavior? Laura Barton. So? I, I don't understand. Uncle wouldn't do... Uncle apparently has. He also would appear fancies himself in costume. He used to be very much interested in the stage. He, he acted for a while, a long time ago, till the family objected. Archie? Got it. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. You recite very nicely, Goodwin. This is Kramer. Let me have Wolf, huh? Mr. Wolf? Inspector Kramer. Yes, Inspector? The papers haven't been carrying it, Wolf, but uh, you're working on the Santa Claus case, aren't you? Possibility? You didn't send Goodwin down to headquarters on a possibility. Uh, never mind. We're working on a line down here, Wolf. Now, look, uh, if it doesn't strain your professional ethics, you might be able to help. How? There's a bank on the corner of 34th Street in Carlisle. We got the thought that suppose a gang was preparing to take that bank tomorrow morning. Those Santa Clauses have been on the corner for nearly a week now. They might have noticed something about the bank's routine, guards or what have you, that could interfere with the gang's plan. A mighty ingenious and imaginative thought, Inspector. Hey, you didn't say yes or no. I have at the moment no opinion. That's all you're going to give us? At the moment. However, Inspector, in a very little while, I shall give you... Uh, <laughs> the murderer. Archie, Miss Parton will remain here. As for you... Yeah? You'll return to 34th Street and find our coffee-loving friend. Hmm? You will persuade him in whatever manner you think best to return here with you. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I think it's possible you may be able to put that quarter on the expense account after all. Oh, 
I've seen you before. Yeah, I've learned to love the neighborhood. That's why it's going to break my heart. What is? Leaving it with you. With... It's sensitive about having guns pulled on me tonight. Let go of me, will you? Not until I... I... tell you that, McGill. Yeah. Gun looks in a lot better shape than you do. You're coming with me. Oh, where? Mr. Wolf would like to see you. Nero Wolf? Yeah. Well, why? He's trying to salvage a quarter. Complete with the... He wouldn't give his name. He did have a gun to it, though. This one. Yes. Archie, you know Miss Barton, of course? Aye. And Mr. Stevens? He joined us a moment ago. Miss Barton thought she'd be happy if he were here. Hello, Stevens. That's not the only reason I came. My brother is still missing. I'm concerned. Yes. You, sir, will you sit down? Watching people stand makes me uncomfortable. I don't have to. You do. Archie is stronger than you are. Mm, all right. Ah, that's better. If you don't mind, Mr. Wolf, I've never been here before, never met you. But you look as though you could handle things. I think my brother's been kidnapped. Possibility we should have to consider. Miss Barton, perhaps you have a theory, too? Well, I don't know. Uncle's been behaving strangely for weeks now. In what way? Well, I'm not sure. Wayne... Well, of course, John's always been a little peculiar, but... I'm afraid I saw nothing especially strange, outside of this Santa Claus stunt, of course. I see. Miss Barton, your uncle played Santa Claus all week on one of the corners of 34th Street in Carlisle. I know. On two other corners, two other men indulged in the same activity. Those two other men are now dead. Oh, no. Well, wait. Mr. Wolf, you mean they were killed by mistake for Barton? It is true that one man made up of Santa Claus looks very much like any other man's similarly costume. But the answer is no. One of the two men was shot in his home after he had removed his costume. Well, then, what connection? Miss Barton, in the event that you wanted to hide a tree, where would you hide it? Hide a tree? Why, I wouldn't even begin to know. If you were very clever, you would hide it in a forest. If you wanted to hide a murder and were very clever, you would adopt the same principle. Wait... You mean that if someone wanted to kill Uncle and didn't want to be suspected, he'd... Go about murdering several people with an ostensible, if lunatic, reason. He would let us say go about killing Santa Clauses. I get it. Then people would think the man he really wanted dead for a special and private reason had been killed for something that didn't point to him. True. That was why two Santa Clauses were murdered tonight. The third Santa Claus, however, the real object of the murderer's attention was luckier or suspicious. He fled. Ah, do I have to hang around here and listen to all this? You do, my unwashed friend. Mr. Barton fled, and the murderer was in a quandary. He had, so to speak, invested in two murders merely to make the third one confusing. But he found himself unable to commit that third murder... He couldn't find his victim. Could he ask the police to do so? Hardly. But he might try to inveigle a private detective such as myself into the job. Uh, that makes sense, Mr. Wolf. But uh, why would my brother have deliberately fled from your house? I, I, I mean, he was protected here, so... But do I make myself clear? Very clear, Mr. Stevens. Archie, that gun you took from that dirty gentleman, you still have it? I still have it. Then would you mind pointing it at Mr. Stevens here until the police remove him? 
the end of Mr. Stevens. Inspector Kramer will take good care of him from now on. But now, Mr. Wolf, Laura and me and the refugee from a washcloth over here would still like to know how and why and who was involved. I knew two people had a motive for John Barton's death. Laura Barton and Wayne Stevens. One of them proceeded to kill Santa Clauses in the hope that the police would assume those killings to be the work of a lunatic. The paper certainly hopped on that assumption. Yes. However, John Barton, aware that his life was in danger, escaped his murderer and hid. In this house? No. A man in Santa Claus costume came here and said he was Barton. However, he was an obvious imposter. He proved that by his flight when his niece came here. You mean he could fool you, but he knew he wouldn't be able to fool me, so... Precisely, therefore, was not Barton. Who was it? Who else had disappeared at the propitious moment? The butler, Pleasant. True. I distrust coincidence. Stevens needed an accomplice, hence he sent Pleasant here. And Pleasant would give you a song and dance about Barton's danger and then scram. You'd start investigating, discover Barton was missing, try to find him, and lead Stevens to his victim, huh? I frustrated that part of the plan by insisting on Pleasant's remaining here, which he did until... That part of it's fine. But how did you choose between Laura and Stevens? It was Stevens who knew, without being told, that Barton had been in this house and had fled from it. Yeah, yeah, you yourself mentioned that Stevens had only been here a moment, so you hadn't told him. Obviously, the butler phoned him as soon as he had hit you over the head and escaped. Furthermore, the butler masquerading as Barton had attempted to throw suspicion on Miss Barton. That convinced me of her innocence. Well, you've done it again, Mr. Wolfe, except for one minor detail. You're not very successful at irony, Archie. What minor detail? Where is Barton? In this house. Huh? When did that happen? You arrived home with the gentleman sitting near you. The bum? Wait. Wait a minute. This I ought to be able to figure out myself. Laura said Barton used to be an actor. That's item one, huh? Yes, Archie. Also, why is a supposed tramp hanging around a deserted intersection for handouts? The answer is he wasn't. He was keeping an eye out for trouble he knew was after him. <laughs> oh, so it turns out I gave a quarter to a millionaire. Uncle, your uncle. Well, that is, I... I know, my dear, yes, I'm uncle. I did a rather decent job, didn't I? No one recognized me. Uh, except, of course, you, Mr. Wolf. Not recognition, Mr. Barton. Logic. Archie, open some beer for us. Yes, sir. Logic, eh? Well, whatever it was, Mr. Wolf, I owe you a good deal. How can I ever repay you? Oddly enough, the answer is simplicity itself. <laughs> Make out a check. have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson.
In the cast were Larry Dobkin as Archie Goodwin, and Howard McNear, Grace Lennard, Vic Rodman, Herbert Butterfield, Bill Johnstone, Gene Bates, and Bob Bruce. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Bashful Body. Don Stanley speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Colgate Palmolive Pete, makers of Colgate Dental Cream, Luster Cream Shampoo, and Palmolive Shaving Creams, bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. And we take this joyous opportunity to wish you, on behalf of Colgate Palmolive Pete, a glorious Merry Christmas. And now, Our Miss Brooks. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, most of us spent Christmas Eve with our families and friends. But our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, wasn't quite so fortunate. No, my family was too far away to visit, and it seems my friends had other plans. But I made up my mind not to brood about it, and was trimming a rather tiny tree in our living room when my landlady, Mrs. Davis, joined me. What a nice tree, Connie. It isn't really, Mrs. Davis, but it's the only one I could afford. Oh, what did you pay for it? I found it in a vacant lot. <laughs> what I like about it is the size. It's not too big or too small. It's just too small. <laughs> I'd like to stay here and celebrate Christmas Eve with you, Connie, but I promised my sister Angela I'd come over to her place. You remember Angela, the absent-minded one? Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. She always got a big thrill out of the holidays, even when we were girls. Of course, the poor dear could never remember when it was actually Christmas. And one Christmas morning, she did the funniest thing. What's that, Mrs. Davis? What's what, dear? <laughs> what did Angela do? Angela. Your sister. My sister. The absent-minded one. What did she do? I haven't spoken to Angela in some time. <laughs> what has she been up to? That's what I'd like to know. Maybe I can refresh your memory. Christmas morning, Angela did the funniest thing. Christmas morning isn't until tomorrow, Connie. <laughs> you must be confused. Well, don't worry about it. I only get these spells once in a while. <laughs> well, you shouldn't let it go, Connie. If you don't mind my offering a little advice, I'd like to suggest that you train your mind to concentrate more. I'll do it, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> now, I've developed a little scheme which works wonders for me. Supposing you have trouble remembering where you put things around the house. Well, you just keep repeating the location to yourself with a sort of rhythm. For example, I just chant to myself, the mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. Now, isn't that simple? Oh. Mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. That's wonderful, Mrs. Davis. If anybody wants a mustard sandwich, you're really ready. Yes. Now, uh, before I do anything else, I want to invite you to join me tonight. Join you? Yes, dear. I'm going over to, uh, uh to, uh... Angela's house? 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's so cute with that little absent mind of hers. <laughs> Why, sometimes she forgets what she's talking about right in the middle of a sentence. And, uh, oh, dear me, I hope that cat's got enough milk. Well, I'm sure if we... Uh, <laughs> but then, maybe someday, or if it doesn't seem too... And that's why I can't join you tonight. <laughs> Thanks anyway, Mrs. Davis. I'll just spend a quiet evening at home here. But how about Mr. Boynton? Don't tell me he was too shy to ask you for a date on Christmas Eve. Why do you think there's mistletoe on all four walls? <laughs> no, Mr. Boynton asked me all right, but then he canceled yesterday. Said he's going upstate to visit his folks for a couple of days. But don't worry about me, Mrs. Davis. I'll have a gay time. I'll listen to the radio, read, and from this window, I can see our neighbor's television antenna. <laughs> but what about the little gifts you've got for Walter Denton and Mr. and Mrs. Conklin and Harriet? When are you going to deliver them? Oh, they told me not to bother. They said we'd exchange on the 26th. The 26th? But I don't think the day after Christmas is the time to exchange gifts. You don't? You should see the department stores. <laughs> What's that, Mrs. Davis? It's Minerva. Where are you, dear? Oh, she's over by the tree. Here, Rover, uh, Minerva. Isn't it the strangest thing how she bites at the pine needles? I guess the rosin in them appeals to her. I'd swear she likes the taste of it. I guess to her it's like a Tom and Jerry, or rather a Minnie and Mickey. <laughs> Come on, Minerva, come on over here. We might as well get friendly. We're going to spend the evening together. <laughs> well, I'll be running along now, dear. I hope you won't feel too lonely. Oh, I'll be fine, Mrs. Davis. After all, I do have an imagination. I'll hang my stocking up in a little while, and then when I'm pretending that I'm asleep, I'll sneak in and fill it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before you know it, it'll be midnight. Midnight of Christmas Eve. I can just picture it. A short, short, thin man in a black suit comes sliding down the chimney with an empty bag. St. Penniless, the schoolteacher Santa Claus. <laughs> well, at least you're not bitter. Now, Connie, about my... <laughs> my sister, uh... Angela. Uh, oh, thank you, dear. About my sister, Angela. Yes? Good night, Dorothy. <laughs> Good night, Bernice. <laughs> Oh, stop drinking those pine needles, Minerva. Come on over here. There's a good kitty. Now I'll just settle down in Mrs. Davis's rocker and we'll have ourselves a nice, quiet rock. I've got to exercise more. My bones are rusting. <laughs> oh, it's the rocker. It's kind of soothing at that. <sighs> you seem contented enough, Minerva. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas And all through the house Not a creature was stirring Not even a mouse yeah! Oops, sorry, Minerva <laughs> I didn't mean to upset you, Minerva Oh, gosh, I'm sleepy Now, who can that be? Expecting anyone, Minerva? That's funny, there's nobody here I'm here Where? Oh, leaning on my knee. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, I'm a salesman, but I don't believe in giving any sales talk or sob stories. All I do is tell you what I'm selling, and if you want to buy, okay, if not, okay. Okay? What are you selling? 
Well, it's Christmas Eve, and I'm just a small urchin, a little on the underprivileged side. And I'm trying to make a few dollars to get some wood to heat our tiny apartment so that while she's singing to my three sick sisters, my mother's lips don't turn blue. <laughs> That's what I like, no sob story. <laughs> you're selling handkerchiefs, I'll take six. Oh, no, ma'am. I'm selling Christmas trees. Only a dollar apiece. But I've already got a Christmas tree. Then I'll make it 50 cents. But I don't need... How about a quarter? Look, little boy. Well, payments can be arranged. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please take one, ma'am. These aren't ordinary trees, you know. They're magic. Magic? Yes, ma'am. You'd be surprised what miracles will happen to you if you buy one. Well, a quarter isn't too much to pay for a miracle. It's 50 cents. I thought you said 25 That's when you sounded tougher to sell (laughs) Oh, well, before I melt down down to my cold buttons and the stovepipe hat, here's 50 cents Well, you won't be sorry, ma'am Here's the little tree Say, it is kind of cute at that Would you like to come in and help me set it up? I can't, I've got to get right home My sitter's been alone long enough Sitter? (laughs) What about your mother and the firewood? Well, that's just a routine my folks are attending a dinner the other bank presidents have given for father. <laughs> With the pitch you've got, you'll have your own bank by the time you're 12. Oh, thanks a lot. Good night, lady, and Merry Christmas. Same to you, you little underprivileged millionaire. <laughs> oh, I'll put this tree over here. Maybe we can find some extra trimmings for it in the morning. Yeah. Minerva, will you stop gnawing on those pine needles? I wish I knew what made them so appetizing to her. Now, you come over here and let those things alone. There we are. Well, I guess I'm not the only one that's spending Christmas Eve alone without family or friends. But who can tell? Maybe Santa Claus has something up his big red sleeve that I don't even know about yet. Of course, I do have a squeaky rocker and Minerva. Jingle bells, jingle bells and merry stuff like that. Oh, what fun it is to rock with a big, fat, drunken cat. (laughs) As I sat in the living room Christmas Eve with Minerva the cat on my lap, I couldn't help noticing that the tree which I'd bought from that wealthy urchin had a rather peculiar luminosity. Although there wasn't any artificial illumination, it seemed to glow from deep down in its branches. As I rocked back and forth, I started to get very drowsy. Hmm. Little boy said this tree was magic, Minerva. No. I don't believe it either. Still, it is Christmas Eve, and... Some very strange things have happened on Christmas Eve. <sighs> hmm? What, what, what's that? Oh, I, I must have been dozing. Coming! Well, it's Walter Denton. Come in, Walter. Noel, Noel. Joy, you is Noel. <laughs> Gracias. 
the living room, Walter. Ah, thanks, Miss Brooks. Here, I brought you this little gift to put under your tree. Oh, that was very thoughtful, Walter. Put it under this tree over here. Okay. Say, you've got two trees, haven't you? Yes, one for Minerva and one for me. What? Don't pay any attention to her. She's pine needle happy. Oh. Well, Miss Brooks, as you know, I was supposed to spend the evening nestled snugly in the tight little confines of my own small immediate family circle. Oh, for heaven's sakes, come out of there. You're giving me claustrophobia. <laughs> but I went to my father and mother and crowed their permission to come over... Oh, wait a and... minute, Walter. You crowed their permission to... Yeah. Crave, craven, crove, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Walter, of course not. Crave, craved. Let's see. Crave, craven. After you crove their permission, what happened? <laughs> well, they waved my presence for a long enough while for me to deliver to you, Miss Brooks, the little token of my esteem and affection, which is now ensconcing under the tree. Walter, are you still in my English class? Well, sure, Miss Brooks. Well, I'd better bone up a little. One of us is going to flunk this term. Well, it isn't just the gift, Miss Brooks. That's not the only thing that brought me wayfaring from the warmth and conviviality of my own heart. Oh, please don't start that again. I'm glad you dropped over, Walter. And if you want to spend the rest of the evening with your folks, oh, why there's you no go... rush with them. They've got my present under our tree already. Now... What I'd like to say, Miss Brooks, though, is something I've wanted to say for a long while. Yes, Walter? Now, it's a little on the sentimental side, perhaps, for a so-called hep high school boy to be telling a teacher, but it's sincere, Miss Brooks. I'm sure it is. It's something I feel deep down inside of me, Miss Brooks, from whence so many of one's warmer emotions stem. That's whence they stem from, all right. (laughs) Of course... Even if it does seem over-sentimental or even downright sticky, Christmas Eve seems to be the time that you can say things like this and not sound over-sentimental or sticky. Christmas Eve is the time to say them. I just hope I hear them by New Year's Eve. (laughs) What I want you to know, Miss Brooks, is that I'm grateful. For what, Walter? For my association with you during the past semester at Madison High School. Well, thank you, Walter. I've tried to be a capable teacher. Oh, your teaching was nothing. What? (laughs) Oh, I don't mean scholastically. No, as a teacher, you were very adequate. I mean personally. The interest you took in me and my problems. For that, I could never thank you if I lived to be a hundred. Of course, you'd be gone a long time by then. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you, too. (laughs) You don't know what it's meant to me to have your ear whenever I needed it. Oh, it was nothing, really. I have another one. (laughs) Especially about girls. Gosh, you remember how silly I used to act about girls? Every time one of them looked at me, I giggled like a kid. And then, overnight, I matured. I met the one woman who really mattered. Harriet Conklin. certainly made something out of you, Walter. I don't know what, but something. You saw me through the difficult transition period of that amour as well. While Harriet and I were adjusting to one another, it was wonderful to be able to come down to you for advice, Miss Brooks. It isn't every boy who has such an interest taken in him by some intelligent elderly person. Give me back my ear. I can't hear you. Not that you're ancient or anything. Gosh, I've seen girls who don't look as good as you do. 
Girls? <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> Shut up, Minerva. <laughs> By the way, Miss Brooks, I see you got lots of mistletoe on the walls. Were you expecting Mr. Boynton tonight? Yes, Walter, I was. We were going for a wheelchair ride together. <laughs> but he had to visit his folks upstate. His folks? Gosh, they must be well along in years. His father's over 50. They may shoot him next spring. <laughs> Look, Walter, while you're here, you might as well pick up the little gift I got for you. Oh, but Miss Brooks, you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Under the tree on your right. It isn't much, just a remembrance. Oh, gee, I almost forgot. I can't open it yet. Why not? Oh, you mean you want to put it under your tree at home and open it with your family? Oh, not exactly, but... Well, I'll get it later, Miss Brooks. Oh, there they are now. I'll answer it. There who are now? Come on in, folks. She was all alone when I got here. But it's really a surprise, isn't it? We should have stayed home Christmas Eve. Besides, it's freezing out. Now, Osgood, don't be so grouchy. Hello, Miss Brooks. Merry Christmas. Why, it's Mr. and Mrs. Conklin. And Harriet, how are you all? I'm cold. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Come here, Minerva. Rub up against Mr. Conklin. <laughs> What's that? What are you... Go away, cat. Why, she seems to like you, Osgood. Or is she hungry, Miss Brooks? She's not that hungry. <laughs> I don't like cats. Why doesn't she go chase a mouse or something? Well, you forget, Mr. Conklin, this is Christmas Eve. There isn't one stirring. <laughs> hey, Harriet. Yes, Walter? There's a lot of mistletoe around this room. I know. It's real pretty. Osgood, notice all the mistletoe in this room? What? <laughs> oh, all oh, that green stuff. Yeah. <laughs> More often than not, it makes me sneeze. Oh, come on, Osgood. Let's see if it does. Oh, now, Martha, don't embarrass me so. It doesn't make I... you sneeze, does it, Harriet? I'm willing to find out. Here's a nice wreath of it on this wall. Yeah. Well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> May I, Mr. and Mrs. Conklin? If it's all right with Harriet, it's all right with us. Oh, come on, Walter. We're getting old. <laughs> Gosh, you're sweet, Harriet. Oh, isn't that cute, Osgood? Come here, dear. How about one for your faithful old wife? Well, it is customary, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm under the stuff. <laughs> now, pucker up, dear. Very well. Yeah, yeah. I, you see, I, t I, t I, t I, t I told you. <laughs> now let's stop this romantic drivel and act like adult human beings. Miss Brooks, I'd like to take advantage of this visit to inquire as to your plans for the coming year's classwork. Do you have your schedule all laid out? Well, frankly, Mr. Conklin, I haven't had much chance to work on anything. Haven't had much of a chance. But you've been away from school all week. Your vacation started last Monday. I know, Mr. Conklin, and that's what I took the week as. I mean, a vacation is something you go on when you get the opportunity to. You don't work on it or during it. Unless, even though I didn't actually go anywhere, when my vacation came along, I went on it or was on one. Usually. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you wanted to be the head of the English department. Please, Osgood, this is no time to talk of school affairs. We're here to spend part of our holiday with Miss Brooks. It was very nice of you to think about me, Mrs. Conklin. It was nice of all of you. Where are Walter and Harriet? Denton, get my daughter away from that mistletoe at once. But, Mr. Conklin, Harriet isn't allergic to mistletoe. No, but I'm allergic to you. <laughs> Harriet's almost irresistible sometimes, especially alongside of older women like Mrs. Conklin and Miss Brooks. <laughs> Saved by the bell. I'll get it. Why, Mr. Boynton, come in. Oh, thanks, Miss Brooks. I thought you were going upstate to see your folks. Well, I was, but they sent me a wire that they wanted to come down here for a week or so. They'll arrive in the morning, so I thought I'd drop this little gift off for you tonight. Oh, but you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it under the tree in the living room. Look who's here, everybody. Well, it's Mr. Boynton. Hi there, Mr. B. This is nice. Hello, Boynton. <laughs> Hello, folks. This is beginning to get more like Christmas Eve every minute. Sit down, Mr. Boynton. I'm certainly glad your folks decided to visit you instead of vice versa. Oh, so am I. There's a particularly good reason why I'm glad. There is? Well, yes. It gives me a chance to see how my guinea pigs are affected by this cold snap. <laughs> so far, they haven't reacted at all. What do you expect them to do, blow on their paws? <laughs> Miss Brooks? Have you pointed out the mistletoe to Mr. Boynton? Oh, why don't you stop that nonsense, Martha? <laughs> it isn't nonsense. Mr. Boynton, look at the mistletoe. Mistletoe? Oh, oh, yes, a very interesting example of the flora found in various areas throughout the globe. <laughs> An evergreen parasitic shrub, it is indigenous to the regions where apple trees and oaks abound. Now that the lecture is over, may we ask questions? Well, certainly, Miss Brooks. Want to stand under it? <laughs> stand under it? Well, you see, because of certain characteristics in its makeup, an allergy is sometimes aggravated by its presence. I'll take a chance if you will. Come on, Mr. Boynton. Yeah, come on, Mr. Boynton. Uh, just bring him over to this wall here. <laughs> uh, get under it if you like. Well, don't just stand there. Can't you see Miss Brooks is cooking? Well, don't fuss for me. I couldn't eat a thing. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, don't you know what standing under the mistletoe signifies? Oh, I know what it signifies to most people, but to me it's just... <laughs> well, there goes 85 cents worth of mistletoe. Hey, I know what let's do. Let's open up the presents right now. Swell. A splendid suggestion, Walter. Uh, uh, shouldn't we wait until just before we leave? Might be less embarrassing that way. Well, if you want to open them now, I... Golly, this one tree is pretty crowded. I'll put some of these packages under this little one over here. Look out, Walter. You're bumping into one of the branches. Look out. Gosh, I got the funniest feeling when I touched that branch. What kind of a feeling, Walter? Well, you're Harriet Conklin, aren't you? Well, sure, I'm Harriet Conklin. Walter, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing's the matter with me. It's just that I want to tell you something. Harriet, you've got to change. You ought to try to be more like Miss Brooks. What do you mean, Walter? If you want me to stay interested in you, you've got to be more alluring, youthful, glamorous, feminine in that real feline Brooks way. Walter, <laughs> have you been drinking pine needles, too? <laughs> Look at that tree. It, it seems to be glowing. What do you mean, glowing? Just a reflection from the streetlights. 
This party is giving me the memes. <laughs> Holidays, indeed. Here, I'll just move the tree where it won't glisten in our eyes. There we go. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Why, Mr. Conklin! Of course I'm Mr. Conklin. Happy-go-lucky, fun-loving, gag-a-minute Osgood. Gag-a-minute Osgood? Sometimes I've wanted to. <laughs> Miss Brooks, is that really you standing there? I think so, Mr. Conklin. Why do you ask? Because you suddenly look so different, so intelligent. <laughs> Miss Brooks, I've made up my mind. You are now head of the Madison High English Department. Well, thank you, fun-loving Osgood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this wonderful tree where it belongs, right in the center of the room. Give me a hand, Boynton. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Conklin. I'll just take this end here and... <laughs> Miss Brooks. Yes, Mr. Boynton? Come here, baby. <laughs> You said, come here, Connie. You did not. You said, come here, baby, and I'm here. <laughs> Look, he's taking her over to the mistletoe. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Well, 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 what are you going to do, Mr. Boynton? Uh, just call me Phil, Connie. And this is what I'm going to do. that make you feel? Oh, I feel like I'm in a dream, Philip. A wonderful, beautiful dream. Well, what's that? Mr. Boynton, where did you go? Where is everybody? Oh, I must have been dreaming. Well, that's real enough. I'll be right there. Oh, sorry, Minerva. I didn't mean to drop you. Surprise! Surprise! I'm cold. <laughs> Why, it's the Conklins and Walter and Mr. Boynton. But you all just left. Uh, I mean, come in. We thought it would be nice if we spent our Christmas Eve together, Miss Brooks. Yes, and we brought a few little gifts over for you. I'll just put them under this tree here. Yes, do that, Walter. Aren't you going to ask me why I didn't go upstate, Miss Brooks? I know why, Mr. Boynton. Your folks are coming down to see you. Well, how did you know about that? I just got the telegram. Uh, don't let's get too carried away with the holidays to prepare for the hard school season ahead, Miss Brooks. Oh, let's you... not talk about school affairs now, Osgood. Walter, look at the mistletoe. Yeah. Look at it. Now, just a minute. Before we go through all that again, <laughs> would you please touch that tree, Mr. Boynton? The one on the left with the... Why, it's gone. There's only one tree. Miss Brooks, are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Could I have dreamt that part, too? Uh, Mr. Boynton, would you do me a favor, please? Of course, Miss Brooks. What is it? Would you touch the Christmas tree? Touch it? But... Please, it's important. Oh, all right. There. Nothing happened. Well, what did you expect would happen? A miracle. Oh, excuse me. I'll be right back. Who 
I'm a little urchin, and I'm selling magic Christmas trees. But you just... Please buy one, lady. They only cost 50 cents apiece. 50 cents? That's right. Here's two dollars. Give me four of them. And now, once again, here is Eve Arden. All over the studio here, there are happy signs of Christmas. Bits of red and green, holly, and some imaginative person even hung some mistletoe in the control room. Must remember to drop in there after the show. <laughs> but the Christmas spirit is even more evident in the faces of our cast. Together with our sponsor, the Colgate Palm Olive Peat Company, makers of Colgate Dental Cream, Luster Cream Shampoo, and Palm Olive Shaving Creams, we join in wishing you a Merry Christmas. Yes, Jeff Chandler and Gail Gordon, Jane Morgan, Virginia Gordon, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Jeffrey Silver, our writer-director Al Lewis, and our producer Larry Burns, our conductor Wilbur Hatch, and all the others on the R. Miss Brooks show. And we're gathered here to say, may this be the most joyous of the holidays for all of you. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>